It's ball talk. It's ball talk, baby. 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 Hello and welcome to the Ball Talk Podcast. It is currently 11:58 p.m. on Thursday, June 24th. So you know what? It's basically it's midnight. We're it's June 25th. It's midnight. I'm your host, John Sock, and as always, I'm joined by my main man, Chaz Jurgens. Chaz, how are you doing tonight? You know who it is. It is the absolute best night in the world. The city of Montreal. Allez, Montreal. Allez, Montreal. The boys are going to the fucking Stanley Cup Finals, and there's absolutely nothing else we could do about it. I apologize for the language. Maybe John will cut it out. But this has been absolutely unreal. The boys... Oh my goodness, Carey Price. Carey Price. Can we just talk about how we have the literal greatest goaltender on the face of the planet Earth to ever play the game of hockey? This guy has been loyal to the soil of Montreal from the beginning and is finally going to get a chance to play in the Cup Finals where he's going to be the best goalie in the series with a real shot to just be like, you know what? Nobody's scoring. No goals are going here. Nothing's happening. Habs are coming home. Lord Stanley's in the air. Sassoli cool. Alele, boys! I really should have given like a, like a noise warning before that all started. Uh, mild noise can... complaint coming up. Let's see what I can do in post. You know that the Canadians are 11-0 when they score more than two goals? That's Carey Price, baby. You score three, we win the game. That's it. That's all. That's game over. Like, you give up three goals, and you're not beating Carey Price. And that's why the Canadians are going to win that cup, man. Islanders, Tampa Bay, on s'en calisse. Les deux, ils peuvent venir sept puis prendre des L's. Les Canadiens, ils savent avoir la Coupe Stanley. It smells like 93, les boys! Oh, man. So, uh, how much property damage are we predicting tonight? Honestly... Honest to goodness, everyone who's in Montreal or like or not in Montreal doesn't know anything about hockey or you just don't care, do yourself a favor if you haven't seen it already because it's probably all over the internet. Go look up the chaos in Montreal on the night of Saint-Jean 2021 when the Habs went to the Cali Cup Finals after beating Vegas in six. I think there'll be at least eight cop cars on fire. Minimum fireworks in at like 17 different apartment buildings. Probably like some definite like people are gonna break into stores and loot downtown. Jeez. It is going to be madness. I don't condone this, but honestly, I would probably be there. So shout out John for keeping me out of trouble right here. You know me, I keep the boys out of the streets. <laughs> Support the Ball Talk podcast, please. We're accepting donations for just one dollar. You can help keep keep boys like us off the streets and out of looting the city. Oh. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. It's still it's still not real. It We're still, still waiting. It doesn't feel real. I, I I cannot believe I'm not in Canada right now. It does not feel real. I was gonna say I didn't even remember it was Saint Jean Baptiste. I cannot believe it. I am still in disbelief. <laughs> there is there are literally. I, I want to tell people how much Montreal loves their hockey. We have we have still limited capacity stadiums here. 3,500 maximum in the Bell Center in a building that fits almost 21,000 at full capacity. There was like double the amount of people in the building outside the building watching the game on a 30-inch TV screen. On gang la coupe pour la ville. On gang la coupe, les boys. Ça sent la coupe, Stanley. We speak English and French on this pod. I hope you've appreciated the Quebec... uh, 
I hope you appreciate our multilingualism. You know, we we rep for everybody out here. We don't hate. This is this is for all my people in Quebec. If you're from Quebec, you might want to skip this. I do not have enough French to keep going though. My French is off. I miss my, I miss speaking French. So Cole Caulfield, best hockey player to ever to ever skate ice. Cole Caulfield. Is is it wrong that I'm surprised when he doesn't score at this point? When he gets a breakaway and he doesn't score? It's more surprising to me than when he does. <laughs> this might be the greatest goal scorer in the history of the planet Earth, boys. Boys and girls, watch goal, Caulfield. Just gets them absolute bag. Carey Price wasn't doing what he's doing for, this, for the Habs right now. Cole Caulfield might be the runner-up for a playoffs MVP. Uh, I didn't say the actual name of the trophy because I know nobody listening to this would actually know what the Consumite is. I wouldn't have known what it was either, <laughs> so I'm really happy you said that. I know, but, five, I know five things about hockey, and one of them is that the puck is black. Stephen <laughs> A. Smith. So Cole Caulfield, man, th this Habs team has been just, just like most most championship successful teams, influenced by a, a youth movement of just incredible talent. Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, Yasperi Kokanyemi, goal scorer, game six tonight, Arturi Lekkinen. I mean, we got Euros up and down the board. We got Canadians, Americans, a team is a mixed bag of, of old vets, young talent, and the boys are out here. Pizza Phil's leading the way. Big Ben Sherrod, Shea Weber, absolute clappers from Shea Weber today. He's looked like Shea Weber of 2012, 2014 when he was out there winning gold medals with Team Canada. Corey Perry, Eric Stahl, I mean, nobody knows any of the names I just said, and I know that. I love and Corey that's and, and we can talk about why the NHL has terrible marketing on another day. But let's... Anyone listening, watch the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup Finals, and you will see what it is like to have a fan base go absolutely ballistic. Win, lose, goals, no goals, it won't matter. It never matters in Montreal. We love the, the Habs. The city is on fire. It will not matter what is happening. The city will be on fire. There has been fireworks being set off illegally in this city for like the last four hours, probably within every five minutes. And that's just that's just what we do out here. How that's how live. it is. The police life. don't do anything about the hockey games because you know what? They want to celebrate too. They don't stand a chance. <laughs> you don't stand a chance. What's a man to a mob? <laughs> the oh, Montreal Canadiens, one of the most exciting sports franchises in the world. Diehard fans. We absolutely love one way or another. Shout out Ivana is going to get me in the Bell Center for this Stanley Cup Finals. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know where. Tickets are probably going to be like $2,000 a piece. But I guarantee I am going to be in the building at some point. Because I am not missing a Habs in the Stanley Cup Finals. This is the first time I've ever seen in my life. First time they've been back there since 1993. This is a monumentous occasion in the NHL. A monumentous in the sports world. Watch the Montreal Canadiens and watch what the city does when the Habs win the Cup this year. You won't see anything like it all over the world. Just got to say it. Just got to put it really quickly. Playoff hockey is the best sport on the planet. Playoff, or at least, at least this year, playoff basketball sucks. I'm all about playoff hockey right now. You might catch me in a jersey. You might catch me in a jersey. I, I don't have one on me. I mean, maybe I'll find one. We'll see. So does this Eli, jersey does, is does Eli do does Eli do hockey jerseys? I don't know. I'll have to speak to him. I'll talk to Ted first. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um No, it's it's absolute chaos in the city today. Playoff hockey, it like here's one the one of the reasons I love playoff hockey the most 
not not just the competitiveness, not just the fact that these these grown men are flying up and down a frozen pond on skates, which literally like 99.9% of the world can't even just move around on skates. These guys are going, they clocked Josh Anderson today at 35 kilometers an hour on the ice. Like, are you, are you joking, dude? What is going on? These guys are going absolutely ballistic. And then on top of that, the NHL does their commercials right, at least. And they don't have, like, they have like three commercial breaks in an entire 20-minute span of hockey. Oh, it's so you watch, like, eight straight minutes of action minimum. And then you get a commercial. And then it's like, okay, another full solid six minutes. Okay, another solid six minutes of hockey. And it's just... It's the best way to watch sports. Like you almost just feel like you watch a game and it takes an hour and a half to watch 60 minutes of hockey. It's beautiful. It really takes two and a half hours, but the game is so fast and so exciting that the periods start and end like that. It's beautiful. NBA, take some notes. We need less TV timeouts during playoff games, please. <laughs> Do we want to move to the NBA now? We we I can take the jersey off and we can move to the NBA. You can keep the jersey on and we can talk about the NBA. I mean, I'm going to keep the jersey on on the night that the Habs are. It's, it's worth it. It's worth it. I, I wore a Kobe jersey my entire school day for Kobe's last day. You can wear a Canadian's jersey. We're going to the finals. I'm trying to go. I might. Um, my dad's trying to convince me to go to the game in Tampa tomorrow. <sighs> go to the game in Tampa, please. I might. I might just have to. Just root for the Islanders. There's, there's, a, there's no masks, so maybe I will. You know, all that probably full there. capacity. I, I, I'd be surprised if it wasn't. Oh no, that's. I uh, love Florida. I love Florida. <laughs> before, just before we get out of the NHL, big game today when this is coming out. Islanders, Tampa Bay Lightning, Game Seven. Winner goes up against the Habs, coming to lose the Stanley Cup Finals. Big game to decide who's going to be second place this year, but it's a game seven. Nothing like game seven in all the sports, plus hockey. It's it's going to be electric. The arena is incredible. The fans are incredible in Tampa Bay. They love the bolts down there. So I'm really, really excited to watch this game seven tomorrow. Uh, and shout out Bodie Wild, young buck from down the ways. Used to play with him over at NDG Hockey. Second round draft pick of the New York Islanders. Not currently on the roster, but I think he will end up with a championship ring if they end up somehow beating the Habs, which really isn't going to happen. But at least his team is going to have some championship run experience for when he comes up and, and can take him maybe the rest of the way one year when they're not playing the Canadians in Maui. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this has been a brilliant uh, puck talk uh, puck talk interlude <laughs> shout out to Ivana we miss you wish you were here but uh, I think mm-hmm. she's working the game I don't think we would have had a chance to get her on eh? I hope she's working the game I, I would do anything to be in that stadium right now <laughs> I feel so bad if we could have gotten her on and we didn't I, I forgot to ask Ivana I'm sorry um, <laughs> but back to ball talk mm-hmm um, so we watched the Clippers beat the Suns. I mean, watched. It was hard to focus, but, you know, it happened. It was on. <laughs> we watched the NBA draft combines first day of, uh, of uh, first mm-hmm. day showing happen. Mm-hmm. I had one guy fly up my board from nowhere to all the way on it. Not a first round pick, but he is okay. now solidly on it. Big ups to, um, big ups you wanna to, sh- drum roll please. Big ups to Nemius Kita for jumping all the way onto my board. No question. Oh, he's serious. Someone needs, dra- someone needs to draft that guy. No question. Yeah. 
no question. I was already like, oh wow, he's large. I watched him play. I'm like, someone needs him. Mm -hmm. Um, Joe Wieskamp, he's up there now. Bones Highland needs to be a first round pick. That dude just looked so much better than everyone else on the floor. <laughs> that dude just looked a thousand times better than everyone else on the floor. Uh, also, guys who looked really good, Jason Preston. Big ups mm. to him. He looked amazing. And uh, I think that Justin Champagne should go Champagne. What's his name? I don't know how to pronounce it. I'd have to, I'd have to go find a, he, a college game of his to see how I think he it. should go first overall for getting a tech during a blowout NBA draft combine game. That was beautiful. That was one of a kind. I, I hope that goes down as a trivia fact one day. I hope mm -hmm. he get, makes an all-star game so that becomes a trivia fact. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the draft combine, you, you know it's your time of year just with the lottery and now the combine starting. It's been uh, it's really exciting. I love watching all these young guys actually really go at it, not only on the court against each other, but athletically in the different events. I think you really get to see a lot of the competitive spirit and how guys like to push themselves with how much they, they go at it in the combine. Is it? I just wanted to say because because I wasn't sitting here watching the combine with you. Obviously, is there anything that they did in the in day one specifically? Was it really just the five on fives when they were running? Or the the only thing on the television was the uh, five on fives, and they did a horrible job televising it. It was absolutely the worst televised basketball that I've seen in a little while, and that's impressive because I watch televised <laughs> basketball every single night, and I hate it every single night. Oh my goodness, I I, I it yeah. Ah, I I have a big criticism of the NBA in recent years that I feel like they're they're they think they have a bad product. I feel like the <laughs> NBA doesn't think. Okay, I don't know what's up with my light. I feel like the NBA thinks that their product isn't good, and so that's why. Oh, and we're gonna have like this guy talking over the play, and we're gonna have him in a big box in front of everyone. Oh, and we're gonna put highlights over when like the ball's getting inbounded because. No one wants to watch what's actually happening. They want to watch what just happened. They just saw it from six angles. Let's show them a seven. The NBA, they went an extra step th further for the NBA draft combine, which no one is watching, by the way. It's 3.30 p.m. on 3 p.m. on Thursday. I had to record it. I was busy. I got ice cream. Um, <laughs> I was busy. I had to have that game recorded. No one that's watching this is, is watching for... They were running interviews the whole time, man. <laughs> I missed. I missed over. I think it was like oh, at least five to ten minutes of gameplay missed per game per half. Just like, oh yeah, we're gonna talk to Scotty Barnes. We're gonna talk to Io Desunmu. We're gonna talk to Jalen Johnson, who somehow lowered his stock without playing. By the way, how are you the only guy to show up in like a hoodie and like whatever? Io Desunmu's going on right before you in a suit. <laughs> I'm just like, dude, like there's you've got character concerns. Like dress nicely. Like even and like Sharif <laughs> Cooper was at least wearing like a shirt. You know, like everyone was like at least in like, you know, clothes and he's just there in like the NBA draft combine like given hoodie. <laughs> like dude, come on. Like I want I want to support you, but that doesn't it's not a good look. He's too busy hooping to be picking out. He wasn't and hooping. Stuff. He was on the sideline watching. They were all on the sideline watching. The only player that's going in the first round that played was Nishan Bones Highland, mm. who solidified himself as a first round pick. That dude was. That dude just looked so much better than everyone else on the floor. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was. I hope he doesn't play tomorrow. He just mm. looked so much better. Or it would be today when everyone's listening. He just looked so much better than everyone else on the floor. And like I went in, like look, I I, I love Bones. But I wasn't like, oh man, I love bones. Like, 
I'm like, I love Bones. I'm excited. Let's see what he's got. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, wait, Bones Highland isn't going top 10? What? <laughs> <laughs> he was outstanding. It was joy to watch. Dude was easily the best player to touch the court today. Big hmm. ups to Bones. I'm um, excited for the for the draft combine for sure. I'm, I love watching all three days, like I said, or not all three days. I love watching all the days of the draft combine and like all guys lining up for their verts, guys doing the bench press. Like, oh, it, a lot of, I a, think they cut the bench press, but they've been doing a lot of highlights of the uh, the best shuttle times, the best verts. Shout out Keon Johnson for shattering the vertical <laughs> leap record. Oh my gosh! What do you get? What do you hit? Like, he beat the record by two and a half inches. Chaz has been at, Chaz has been MIA by the way. Chaz has oh, been MIA yeah, for the last been, two days. Um, I have been zero dark thirty since like Wednesday morning. Don't ask me what has happened like in the world between Wednesday at like nine a.m. and the Habs winning Game Six tonight because I literally don't know. I found Chaz, out Rick Chaz Carlisle was a Pacer on like I found out Rick Carlisle was a member of the Pacers like thirty minutes ago. Like I really didn't I had no clue. <laughs> No clue what was going on. Oh my goodness. I oh my god. We're changing the entire episode on the fly. I hope you're ready. Um so Keon Johnson shattered the record by two and a half inches. He jumped four feet in the air. He jumped forty eight inches. Forty eight. Forty eight. The record was forty four and a half. Forty five and a half, I think. He shattered it. He shattered it. Forty eight is absurd for an actual NBA player. Like that's the type of stuff you usually see from like a pro dunker who actually has like no bag. <laughs> they say that that that's literally what Will, they say. Wilt Chamberlain has like yeah, Wilt Chamberlain had a forty-eight inch vertical. Keon Johnson literally has a forty-eight inch vertical. What? He, what in the name of like anything? How is that possible? He's gonna be be flying his way up draft boards just based off of that. Uh, not my draft board, but it's fine. <laughs> my draft board does not get influenced by these numbers. Mm. Um, I think Joey's camp. No, who had the three cone? Someone, someone random had the three cone record. Um, they broke the record this week, this year. No, 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 no. Okay. But shout out to um. Oh man, let me pull up all the numbers. I got all the numbers right here. Uh, mm. the three quarter court sprint. Ooh. The record is now they're not the record. No, the win the person who had the fastest time this year, Canadian AJ Lawson from USC. Get it. The uh all time record holder, Cookie Belcher, my former coach, big ups to Coach Cook. <laughs> um Lane Agility, the fastest was Scotty Lewis, but Joe Wieskamp was uh ten seven, which was very surprising. Ten seven's really good. Yeah. Really good. Thank <laughs> Greg Brown won the shuttle run at 298. Corey mm. Kispert was 299. Scotty Barnes, 299. Aaron Wiggins, 3. AJ Lawson, 302. I hope AJ Lawson gets a chance somewhere. Uh, he, he should get some, at least, hopefully, he does well in the summer league if he doesn't actually get picked in the second. I hope so. I hope he at least gets a two way. Mm -hmm. um, also, uh, Jericho Sims would have was had had the first jump. He jumped before Keon Johnson. And he mm -hmm. got an inch below the record at 44 and a half. And everyone was really hyped. And then Keon Johnson made everyone forget it. <laughs> and then Jericho Sims had a great, great standing vertical leap at 37 inches. You know, that's the second highest. The third nice. highest was Scotty Barnes at 36. Mm. Keon Johnson had four and a half inches on him at 41.5 inches. 
41-5 standing vert, dude. What is dude, this guy on? Ridiculous. ridiculous. Who is he training <laughs> with? Who is training Keon Johnson? Please and going I get on that? <laughs> um, uh, Nemius Kida, the guy I was talking about, topped every height, standing, reach, and wingspan number. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, he's other... he's serious. He's serious. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that matters. Uh, oh, Moses Moody with a seven one wingspan, seven seven point seven five. Johnny Juzang six ten and a half. Mm. Um, that's no. better than I thought for Johnny Juzang for sure. Because I obviously he's a scorer, but if he can use that wingspan and try to develop just a little bit of a more sliding ability on the wings and get his hands into passing lanes, that'll really be able to get him some some serious considerations at the NBA level and like more than just like we're gonna draft you kind of like hey we really want you to be a part of our bench unit as a rookie and like maybe develop yourself into a real nba player speaking of serious considerations i've decided to change this episode so mm-hmm. you know who's getting serious consideration for the head coaching job for the dallas mavericks <laughs> obviously not because i don't know anything how about right how about you give how about you give your top three guesses i mean out of nowhere like Jason Kidd. Um yes. yes. Yes, it's Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd is the number Jason Kidd is is they're apparently already negotiating a contract. Jason Kidd to the Mavericks. Rick Carlisle is coming and giving his blessing. Pa- passed off one one ball my white man for another. And uh, Hey, Kidd has color, man, I think. It's true. But no, Jason Kidd is I'm excited to see him coach in Dallas at least. I think him and Luca is a really exciting pairing. Oh yeah, I mean, like the thing that the the big thing that um, the big thing that is worth noting is the best part of Jason Kidd is superstars love him. Mm-hmm. Giannis loved him. LeBron loved him. Dame loved him so much he tried to get him hired. Now he's gonna work with Luca, and that was you know like for uh, considering the Dallas Mavericks have not been the uh, picture of a functional organization for the last little bit. Mm-hmm. I think focusing on making your star player happy is probably a good move yeah i think it's it's definitely not i don't think jason kidd is going to be the answer for them in terms of uh, a coaching tactics that's going to take them to a championship in the near future don't get me wrong but i think if mark cuban's making this decision he's looking at it more like okay let's make sure luka Doncic is happy for the next few seasons he gets a good guys around him JC Kidd being here, they got a lot of cap space. Maybe it'll attract some more high-level talent to play alongside Luka Doncic and be coached by JC Kidd. And JC Kidd himself, I mean, a dominant triple-double behind their guy. He has a lot that I'm sure he can Luka can can talk about. I don't know how much Luka still has to learn about the game. He seems to play at such an elite high level that it's just I I don't know how much he can be taught, but. Jason Kidd is definitely one of those rare, rare few in the NBA that can do something for you that many others haven't seen what Jason Kidd has seen or done what Jason Kidd has done. So uh, as much as he's struggled as a head coach here and there, I like it as a as a growth for the organization. I think it's definitely a step in the right direction. All right. And uh, you heard the, have you heard that the Celtics have hired a new head coach? I heard Ime Udoka was getting considerations. Ime Udoka has been hired as head coach. Jay Williams had a brilliant tweet. Oh, it's mm. pure artistry. That's why I was looking down while you were speaking. After Adrian Wojnarowski tweets that the Boston Celtics are finalizing an agreement to hire Ime Udoka, Jay Williams comes out with comes out with this: the first head coach of color for the at Celtics. 
mm-hmm. and even more importantly, he is one talented individual who has paid his dues. <laughs> the Celtics were the first non the, the first NBA franchise to hire a non-white coach when they named Bill Russell as player coach on April 16th, 1966. <laughs> OJ, I love you, man, but <laughs> do you not have a PR person? <laughs> That's really bad. That's do you not? Does he not have someone else who runs his Twitter? Uh, He said, I changed my passcode. He said someone else wrote, I I changed my passcode. I'm like, Jay Williams, you you could do better than that, man. And then then he's on the broadcast with with Jalen Rose. And Jay goes, I tried to tell my man Jay Rose. He kept talking about how good the Bucks were defensively. And then Jalen Rose goes, well, I got hacked. (laughs) There's been some... uh, some good bands. Jalen Rose needs to get a few back here and there because well, Kobe had all those 81 <laughs> jokes. So, so Jalen Rose needs to be able to get somebody else sometime. <laughs> but no, Ime Udoka, I mean, I'm excited to see what he has to do. Obviously, I think he, he worked with Greg Popovich in San Antonio for a while, didn't he? Uh, he did. He was there for a long time. He was presumed to be most likely to take over once Ettore Messina went over to Europe. Mm. So, I mean, someone who... Who Brad Stevens obviously hasn't really directly worked with that much, but who brings in a lot of that calmness, a lot of that steady mindset that Brad Stevens obviously likes in a head coach, it seems. And I think he'll be a good piece. He, he obviously knows the game of basketball really well. And it's exciting to see how we'll be able to communicate with superstars and young stars and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who are both like really eager to learn the game, be better, be great as a duo. And if he may can do any part of that for them, I think it's going to be really exciting. And he's got a really good chance. Like we talked a lot about the the Portland job a few episodes ago about how it's not necessarily a job you would want, especially as a first time head coach. I think this Boston Celtics is kind of the whole other option. It's just like as long as you do anything right you should be guaranteed an extension. Like, mm-hmm. and, and he may really has a not, chance. Like, I, to not win in Boston would be really bad. They're just, they, they, hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. We got probably another 20 minutes, I think. Okay. I want to talk night, about this. The late, the late night pro- ball talks continues. The late night ball talk continues. I cannot go, I cannot go for an hour and a half tonight. I do not have that inside of me. Um, I was zero dark 30. I was also up till 7.30 this morning, like this morning from Wednesday night. So your boy is running on automatic. I don't turn off. So as soon as this, so while I'm uploading this, I'm going to need to hear stories. Uh, We're going to do a post. We're going to do a post hangout. That's happening. Um, Or just right to bed. Um, But I want to talk quickly about the NBA, uh, the NBA lottery, draft lottery that happened. Hmm. We saw the Cavaliers and the Raptors move up to picks three and four. Detroit move up to number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shout out we, Big Ben Wallace and Hakeem Olajuwon out there uh, bringing the luck to their organizations. Ben Wallace is sitting there just happy he's in the Hall of Fame, and he's like, hey, we got the number one. <laughs> um, I stole that joke from Simmons. I'll own that. Let's just run through it quickly. Number one, Detroit Pistons. They're going to get Cade Cunningham. Mm-hmm. I think he can fit well with Killian Hayes, mm-hmm. but they're definitely going to need some more athleticism around them. I do think Jeremy Grant is a good piece to have there too, but I think that they should be looking for, uh, I think for one, they're going to have to see what, how many positions Cade can cover, whether yeah. maybe you may have Jeremy guard the guards, but you're going to need to bring in some athletic two, three type. 
with uh, one of their many other later picks. In this, I think they have a bunch of late, uh, of early seconds that I've mm-hmm. pinned down where you can find some good super athlete prospects that I'm a big uh, some that I'm actually pretty high on. Mm-hmm. I have them currently in my mock taking Joel Ayayi at number forty two. I think that would be great. Hey, hey, we know Joel can do something for them. I cannot I just, believe he's. I can't. I, I just cannot believe that he is not like a first round pick type. But then I do my board and I'm like, oh, he's not a first round pick type. I think he should have gone back to school. He he could have he could have be benefited from another year just before like just about this Pistons team. I think Sadiq Bay and B Stu with Isaiah mm. with. Beastu, Isaiah Stewart, Beastu with Jeremy Grant, Killian Hayes, and Kate Cunningham could be a really interesting five. I do agree. If I if Sadiq Bay keeps shooting the way he shot in his rookie year, and Beastu is dominating the paint, like mm-hmm. there there's a real potential in that five. And you bring in a couple other guys like Josh Jackson that came off the bench for them last year, and I guess the Detroit Pistons, but he had one of his best seasons in the NBA. Like he looked good at points. Mm-hmm. He dropped 20-plus like, multiple times throughout the season. Like 10-plus games at least, Josh Jackson had 20-plus had points. So I think this, this team with Cade Cunningham is more than people are going to expect. It's still Detroit. they still got a long way to go. But any, any team that gets Cade is, is going to feel like they're in a much better position than before they have Cade. Mm-hmm. I agree. And then Houston at number two, look, they could go for Suggs. They could go for Green. They could go for Mobley. I like the Suggs fit. I don't like I I don't think that they should take Mobley because I don't think that they'll get I don't think that he would I I I think that they it would take a moment of um clarity looking around maybe they should trade down but just looking around if Mobley is like so guaranteed number 2 which some people have him as that some people don't I don't know mm-hmm. I don't everyone mm-hmm. knows I'm not a big believer in Evan Mobley right now but I just don't think that you're going to be putting him into a good position with this roster right now. And I think you'd be risking a lot that his development wouldn't go so well. So I would take Suggs personally, mm. just because I love his fit. I'd like his fit next to Kevin Porter. I like his fit with Christian Wood. I like his fit with the rest of the roster. And I think Suggs is a better player than Evan Mobley. And yeah. I think his ceiling is higher than Evan Mobley's. His realistic ceiling is higher than Evan Mobley's. So. Mm-hmm. And I think playing alongside and behind John Wall will will also give him a chance to not necessarily have to be the guy or be looked at as the the savior of the franchise right away, and give him a chance to really develop and learn some NBA guard skills and continue to grow his game. And the guys you mentioned, Jay Sean Tate running with that squad, a a small ball wing who you know Jalen Suggs loves to push the ball in transition. And if I saw Jay Sean Tate do one thing consistently last year, more than anything else, it was a catch and attack and transition. So that's going to be great for them. KJ, he goes flying up to go catch oops. Jalen Suggs will be throwing those from, from off his own bench if he could. So you know Kenya Martin Jr. is going to be doing a lot for them too with Jalen Suggs on the team. Uh, I Obviously, he's not a lock in number two. A lot of people do still seem to like Evan Mobley. Jalen Green, also an elite talent, don't get me wrong. But I think a, a point guard here in Houston, given the pieces they already have, makes a lot of sense. Jalen Suggs can be that combo point guard guy that could really turn your franchise around in like five, six years. You could be looking at a, a conference finals team with him in him, KPJ, maybe Christian Wood's still there, but Kenyon Martin Jr. flourishing. Like Houston's got some dogs over there. Don't don't be sleeping on them Rockets. The main reason I wanted to talk about the draft lottery is this next pick. The Cleveland Cavaliers at three. This is where 
I think there could be a trade. Mm. Especially if Evan Mobley is still on the board. Mm-hmm. If at three, Evan Mo- I do not think that Houston is going to trade down from number two for numbers to with the Orlando Magic for numbers five and eight. But I think Cleveland would trade down from three for numbers five and eight. Mm. I think uh, Cleveland Cavaliers at three could definitely make a move. I do uh, like we're gonna go through this list. I think there are definitely gonna be some trades without throughout this li- these picks for sure. Yeah, let so. me let me talk real quick about this, mm-hmm. why, why I see this trade so much. For one, I think the Orlando Magic are at a point where they have too many assets. Yeah, they they have three yeah. great guards plus they've got they've got good they got you know Karim Mane on the come ups big ups mm-hmm. to Karim. They've got Chume Okiki, John Isaacs in the front court already. Mm-hmm. They got Wendell Carter in the center position, Mo Bamba off the bench. I don't know that you need a double apple bite right now. I think you need something that you believe in. Mm. And if I had to look at an organization as, hey, wait, where is somewhere where Evan Mobley could actually grow and become all that he could be <laughs> as a defensive player, as an offensive player, Orlando. I know. For one, Orlando, you know, track record of developing some amazing generational bigs and then sending them right to the Lakers. So that's great. For, you know, big, big ups, big ups, big ups. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal, Dwight Howard, big ups, big ups, big ups. John already um, on the 2028 free agency, uh, free agency me, Evan Mobley way. Give me Evan Mobley, please. <laughs> Win some awards, give me Evan Mobley. Um, no. Um, but for the Cavs, I just feel like they're at a weird place in their rebuild. Mm. And I think that they're kind of, I think that if Evan Mobley shows up on them, they're going to have to make a decision. They, they kind of, you know, of course they're happy. They got the third overall pick, but think about it. Think about it. Let's say Suggs goes at two. Let's mm. say Suggs goes at two. You got Evan Mobley and Jalen green left as viable options to take at three. You're not going to take Kuminga. You could just trade down for Kuminga. You're mm-hmm. not going to take, um, Barnes. You could trade down for Barnes. You, you got two options that you can take. Jalen Green or Evan Mobley. If you take Evan Mobley, you need to let Jared Allen walk during free agency. Plain Absolutely. and simple. You're not yeah. going to be able – maybe you can play them together. Probably not. You got. You already have Kevin Love. You already have Larry Nance. You got bodies. You draft Evan Mobley, you're going to run a front court of Larry Nance and Evan Mobley so that Larry Nance can help cover up for Evan Mobley while he's learning how to be everything that he needs to be as an NBA player. Mm-hmm. You draft Jalen Green, you can't keep Colin Sexton. Where does where does Jalen Green fit next to Colin Sexton? Nowhere. 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 So part of this for me is, of course, I think that there's already rumors that they're exploring the Colin Sexton market. Mm-hmm. But I think if Evan Mo, if there's strong rumors that Evan Mobley will not be going second. And you can get two bites at the apple at five and eight to pick up prospects. In my eyes, I've identified them as Jonathan Kuminga mm-hmm. and Moses Moody. That's a win in my eyes. Yep. That's a win. That, is, in my mind, is a win. You've, you can still keep Jared Allen if you like him. You can take more time with these guys. You can see how this group fits together. You don't need to start hitting the point of, oh, and we're trading away the guys we've developed before we're even making the playoffs. Because that's what they're looking at right now. You mm. you started your rebuild with Colin Sexton, 
and you're going to have to trade him before your rebuild ends. That's weird. You just mm-hmm. traded for Jared Allen? You're going to have to let him leave. Yeah. No, I mean, for and especially at least the, those two guys, obviously not locks at 5-8 and eight if the Cavs were to trade down, but if you think about a defensive front court with or defensive wing pairings of Isaac Okoro and Jonathan Kuminga, and then the ability to have a guy like Moses Moody also coming off the bench to, if you want one of that, Colin Sexton or Darius Garland to get some bench minutes and go a little bit bigger and still have the defense out there. It's it's scary what the Cavs would be able to do. I think this 5-8, and eight, Orlando's definitely going to be, be looking around because, like you said, they have just so many young guys on the roster already, so many rookies, including the guys that they just got from Denver this year, like, so many different people that want to fight for minutes and they that I think Orlando believes deserves to fight for minutes. John Isaac coming back is, is should be demanding like 35 a game. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot a lot going on there. So this Cavaliers pick a three is, is definitely an exciting spot depending on who goes one and two. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a, a very interesting gra- a draft of this top four. Just basically this two to two through four who goes where and what it makes other teams do because of how much they think they like a guy. Yeah, it's going to be a big chess match for that. And I'm really excited to watch that sort of unfold. Mm. I think one of the funniest things was I went and I was like, huh, if the Cavaliers trade number three, I wonder who they'd take. And I looked at who Kobe Altman has drafted. You know, Darius Garland, he traded for Jared Allen, he drafted Isaac Okoro. Like, oh, he likes these really big guys that can play make a big with, with really long arms. I'm like, oh, so he's probably going to take Jonathan Kuminga and Moses Moody. And then I was like, huh, John Hammond, GM of the of the Orlando Magic, <laughs> former GM of the Milwaukee Bucks. I wonder who he'd take. I looked at who he's drafted. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Mo Bamba, all these super long dudes. I'm like, oh, he'd probably take Jonathan Kuminga and Moses Moody. <laughs> so this is my call right now. Moses Moody goes eighth. I wonder if I can, can, can I bet that? Can, can I gamble that? You can definitely somewhere you can put a futures on Moses Moody as a guaranteed eighth overall pick, and it's probably really crazy odds to bet on him exactly at eighth. Let me Google that. But Google that after this episode. I'm, that might I'm be sure. my money moment. That might be my money moment. Let's see what I can get. <laughs> hey, I mean, I, you could probably if you could find a good futures draft place or draft sports book. I'm sure you could probably bet on guys like going from pick ranges from like 21 to 25 or something like that. You can you can really try to make a cash out parlay on a couple guys you think are going to go early or late in the second round and just uh, you know really as long as you're betting on the Habs to win at the Bell Center all along you know that's going to be another another win alongside so it's uh it's guaranteed. So right now and, you can only bet uh, for FanDuel right now you can only bet on who you think is going to win the NBA championship. Mm. And the Hawks are still at plus eight fifty. Up one zero. <laughs> Up one zero. I love it. I love. I love Atlanta. Um, Raptors. Look, we could talk about who they get. No matter what, they're gonna get someone good. Suggs would be great next to Fred Van Vliet. Evan Mobley would fill a position in need at the center position. You could mm-hmm. play him as a starter. You could play him off the bench. However, you wanna choose to throw him into the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, they Jalen Green. Jalen Green is the one they want to fall to them. And in a lot of ways, I think he is the one that will fall to them. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think that um, I don't think that either Cleveland or I don't think that Cleveland or Houston will take them unless Cleveland trades Colin Sexton, which mm-hmm. they're exploring the opportunity, the options. So we'll see. 
But just getting in a number one scoring option on that team would be huge. That's what Kawhi was, and they went to the finals. Now, I'm not saying rookie Jalen Greed leads the Toronto Raptors to the NBA finals, but I'm not not saying it. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I mean, Jalen Green, it's it's so crazy to me because coming into this year before this, most of this went down, like, well, I, I've always been high on Jalen Suggs. I've known about him since high school days when he played football and, and basketball, right? But Evan Mobley, he's had his doubts in my opinion. But Jalen Green is someone who I heard about on the AAU circuits and in high school basketball for a long time now who's just been touted as this just unreal athlete and scorer. And someone who I just, I've always felt in this draft class doesn't seem to get as much respect as the other guys. Like Jalen Green to me has as much superstar potential as anyone else, if not more in this top four, just because of the way he can put the ball in the basket. Like he's going to come into the league. I think a lot like Anthony Edwards in the sense where he's just going to be filling it up on a nightly basis. Like he, yes, his percentages might be bad here and there, but that ignite time that he had understated how much he already has veteran leadership and, and seeing NBA guys work with NBA guys and coaches. And then if he gets to an organization like the Raptors that are so tightly run and so well-disciplined, like just think about him next to a guy like Fred Van Vliet, who's worked his whole life to be where he is. A guy like Kyle Lowry, if they bring him back to just mentor in the locker room to show him what it means to day in, day out, be an NBA all-star veteran, former champion like there's a lot of things on this Raptors team that Jalen Green I think the question marks about him and the things that people are are a little bit more unsure of could be answered by him falling all the way to four to the Raptors definitely I'm with you Mm -hmm. I want to look at okay I want to look at (laughs) I think the most interesting pick I think OKC at six is not going to be interesting I think OKC at 16 and 18 Mm-hmm. Is a prime candidate to move up. Mm-hmm. And looking around the rest of the order, you'll have OKC at six, Golden State at seven, Magic at eight, Sacramento at nine, New Orleans at ten, Hornets at eleven, Spurs at twelve, Pacers at thirteen, Golden State at fourteen, Washington mm-hmm. Wizards at fifteen, and then it's OKC at sixteen, Memphis at seventeen, OKC again at eighteen. Mm. I think the perfect, perfect chance for the move up, move down of 16 and 18 would be 16 and 18 for number 11 at the Hornets. You want, you want to know something crazy right now, John? What? For, for those who aren't listening, we're on a Zoom call right now. John sent me the list of the, of the teams and their draft picks, right? And as, you, as you're talking about the 16, 18, I'm scrolling through the draft picks, and I'm like, hmm, which one is he going to talk about for this, for this trade up right here? The one pick that I have highlighted on my screen right now, Charlotte Hornets at 11. <laughs> and it, it just makes sense. It's the right. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Hear, hear me out. Hear me and out. Tell I, the people why. I was sitting there doing the mock draft, okay? I, I, I was sitting there doing the mock draft. I laid on, I, as soon as the draft order came out, I spent two hours in front of, no, the next morning I spent two hours on my computer just doing a mock draft, sitting there, putting names to teams that make sense. And when I got to the Hornets at 11, there was not one prospect that made sense in the range of uh, like 8 to like 15 on my board. There was not one prospect that made any sense in that range to me. I had them, my my two names that I looked at were Zaire Mm -hmm. Williams and Kai Jones. Realistic. Okay. I figured, I figured, hear me out. Zaire Williams. I need to see more. I need to know more. I need to hear more. Mm-hmm. 
But LaMelo makes his team too good to bottom out and get a second star. But not good enough to be a perennial playoff team. I mean, we'll see how he develops. But it looks like this, this Hornets team is going to be too good to lose for a little bit. But not good enough to you know be a two seed or mm-hmm. a three seed. A nice 47-win team. They're not going to be a championship team right now. They need more pieces. Zaire Williams has an insane, insane upside. Dude's a superstar athlete. He has a bit of a shot. He, he just he had the most weird college season ever. Mm-hmm. Living out of a hotel for half the season. Just everything that could have gone wrong for him basically did. Borrego's mm-hmm. been great at easing guys in. He could be part of an amazing jumbo lineup of Lamelo, Bridges, and PJ. All four of them, and then they could go big with a big, or or they could balance with with Hayward, or they could go like super turbo with like Rozier. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some fun, some fun possibilities there. And the other mm-hmm. name that I highlighted was Kai Jones, mm. big fella, big fella. I wrote that he's not white enough for the Charlotte Hornets, but uh, you know Charlotte Hornets love their big white dudes. Mm-hmm. It'd be good to get to get him him up there. The new Baham. I don't have a good Bahamian terror. Bahamian terror. Is there any better? You got a better one? I don't know. Um. Hot off the top of my head. Whatever. <laughs> Go from the Bahamas. DeAndre Ayton's going off. I I, I assumed mm-hmm. I would have had a, a funny. I didn't have a funny. <laughs> he's sort of really raw still, but he's big and he's just a super athlete who can run hard and hit hit dudes. His shooting is coming along. I don't know if I buy it. I don't know if I don't buy it. I got to watch more tape. Mm. He has the potential to be able to go left and right, which I love watching. He might really be able to guard multiple positions, or he might just be a super big energy guy. I don't know that I want to take that gamble at 11. At 11. <laughs> so I went yeah. for Zaire, but then I looked around, and I'm like, wait, wait, wait. They trade back. Mm. I, 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 I haven't done all the picks on who they would trade, how the trade back would work. But the only team that needs a big... The Washington, one that just, not mm-hmm. really. San Antonio, they, they, Kai Jones wouldn't really fit in. Indiana has three bigs. Golden State's already developing a big. Why would they take another? Mm-hmm. The only team that they'd have to they, they the only team that they'd have to worry about losing Kai Jones to once they get to eleven is the team they're trading with. <laughs> the only and, and and you know how those phone calls work. You call one GM, GM calls back. The trade isn't finalized until the next day. You can't just sneak trade picks and then take Kai Jones. Mm-hmm. So they'll know. So I think that as as the 11th pick comes on the clock, I think that the Charlotte Hornets could get the call from uh, – could get the call. There could be a trade in the mix for OKC to move up and either – I don't know. I feel like they would then take – they would then take Zaire Williams or they would take Keon Johnson or something. But mm. uh, I imagine that Kai Jones will make it all the way down – to uh, the 16th pick for the Charlotte Hornets to still select. Yeah, I mean, I think Kai Jones would definitely be a bit of a an interesting pick at 11 if he, he were to go that highly. Uh, we'd have to, obviously, the combine could change that a little bit, but he de- didn't really show a top borderline top 10 potential or top 10 talent in his first college season. And don't get me wrong, in that Charlotte team, he's got a lot of things that he could do for them that I think they could use, but. I saw a lot of PJ for them at the five. A lot of games where he also did really well. 
But interestingly, a lot of games where you also just seem to have zero. So, like, it's definitely not a long-term solution for them. But it's something that I think they're going to be working with so much small ball PJ and Miles that I don't know if they're re- really wanting to take a, a big fella so early in the draft. So I agree with you. I just wanted to say it in that top four with the, with Detroit, Houston, Cleveland, and Toronto, shout out, not Minnesota. Oh, yeah. That was <laughs> what I wanted to talk about. The next one on top is Golden State at seven. Got the Minnesota pick. They have seven and fourteen. Seven and fourteen. I don't actually. I don't think they can trade up. I'm telling you right now. I don't think they can trade up. Yeah. I also don't think. I don't. What Bob Myers came out and he was talking about it. He basically was just like, "We're gonna win now, and we're gonna do whatever it takes to win now. If we have to draft players, we're gonna draft win now players. Mm-hmm. If we can trade these picks for win now players, we're gonna trade them for win now players." So I think it becomes very obvious who the who the Warriors are going to take at seven. They're going to take Davion Mitchell. They're going to take Davion Mitchell at seven. There is no more except for Chris, Chris Duarte, which, okay, no. I I don't want to just call call them out. I don't want to call this website out. I hope they don't keep a record of this. It's like people can't go back and check. If the Warriors take Davion Mitchell at seven, they are not taking Chris Duarte at 14. They're not. That's just that's just not happening. That's just not happening. It's just it's just not happening. They're not gonna have four elite backcourt options. They're not gonna waste two elite picks to mm-hmm. put behind to play behind Stephen Clay. That's not happening. On any planet of Earth, that is not happening. Yeah, they, they take Kai Jones over Chris Duarte at fourteen. <laughs> and they don't even want Kai Jones. <laughs> but no, I think obviously this Warriors pick at uh at seven is going to be really interesting. I think with seven and 14, there's a lot of potential for them to make some moves. They got a lot of contracts on the books that can be moved around too. So I think as this, as we get closer and closer to draft day, off season hits, I think that a lot of people are going to be calling that warriors, the warriors at seven. Cause OKC at six, I think Sam Presti's always open to a deal. So nobody ever really knows what's going to happen with that. And so people, some teams are really thinking that they might be able to get a guy they really like, at seven, like if somehow Jonathan Kuminga doesn't go five, and then who knows what happens if Sam Presti at six, there there's a real chance that the seventh pick could be something serious for the Golden State Warriors or whoever wants it. So I think they're they're going to explore all options, and that's something that I really do always like about the Golden State front office is they kind of try to leave no stone unturned when it comes to making the team as good as possible. They're very upfront about the win now, and obviously Steph and Dre are getting a little older, so. Yeah, it is a win now, but we see Clay Thompson back in the building, shooting shots at Chase Center, getting up and down the floor. It's amazing to see. And then Davion Mitchell potentially at seven. You talk about bringing a little bit of defense and grit to the front of that line. Like I like the Nico Mannion pick in the second round last year, but hey, I'll take Davion Mitchell coming off the bench for Steph Curry because it presents just such a different look to the Warriors and allows them to do something completely different with their defense and their rotations off their bench unit. I think it's something that's really exciting for them. And Davion Mitchell in his interviews has just talked about how he wants to be be known as an elite defender and a great playmaker, ball handler, floor setter, and who better than Steph Curry to teach you how to be able to get a team going. And Andre Green, you know, like this is a really exciting spot for any rookie. So uh, I'm just it, I'm thrilled for this Warriors offseason. I'm really, really pumped. I think we're going to have a great time. And, and no matter what, we're going into next season just looking hot, mm. looking dangerous. Yeah, I'm just trying to think, like, who else, what else I have that's interesting on my board. Um, 
For 14, for 14, you know who I have? It's the Golden State Warriors. I think mm. you might like this or you might really not. I don't know. I got Corey Kispert. <laughs> I was about to ask, where's Corey Kispert out these days? Because I, I feel like I haven't seen him in any top 10s or lottery projections. We were so I don't excited know for it... him right after the draft. Right after that, that Gonzaga run was going on, we were so high on this guy. I think we had him at 7. I think we had him above Moody. And mm -hmm. now it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot who he was. And so we're looking at him. I think realistically, I think he'd fit in pretty well at 14 because mm -hmm. I just don't see any of the teams behind there needing an immediate contributor in that same way. Maybe yeah. the Spurs go that route, but I'd, I'd be surprised. Uh, maybe the Pelicans do, but I, I just have no idea what New Orleans is going to do. My, my big, I've, they don't New have a coach Orleans, yet, huh? Okay. The Sacramento Kings, I should know what they're going to do. I'm sad. You were traveling. I had a really funny story on my Snapchat that I'm not going to repeat here. It was really <laughs> funny. It was at the King's expense. But they should draft Franz Wagner. I know you're not super high on him, but they just should. Like, they just they just should. He has good mm -hmm. off-ball defense. He looks like he'll be a good spot of shooter to play off of Fox and Halliburton. He, he, they were at their best when they had an, another wing out there. They have, like, four young guards right now. They have Rashawn Holmes at the five, who they seem to really like. They still have Marvin Bagley's RFA rights, and I think it's very obvious that he needs that he cannot play the four whatsoever, mm -hmm. um, at least in whatever scheme they're running. And I think that you know Franz Wagner would fit really well on this uh, on this Sacramento Kings team that loves. Um, oh, where did I have that quote? It was uh, everyone's a positive defender, but will be the worst defense in league history. Mm. A reverse he, box. <laughs> reverse box. <laughs> Jesus, um, I like. I, I but mm -hmm. so that should be, yeah, the, the pick that should that should be the last non chaotic pick. New Orleans at ten is where everything just sort of goes crazy, and I'm like, I could see any name go there from Josh Giddy to Keon Johnson to, to Chris Duarte to Usman Garuba, who I I like Usman Garuba more than most people in the nine to ten nine to twenty range. I, mm. I, if this was just a big board, he might actually be nine on my big board. I love Usman Garuba. Yeah, he shows a lot of promise as a as a mobile big man, mm. someone who's going to go get it off the glass for you and and do a lot in the paint. So, I think he he's definitely someone that anyone who's looking for someone uh, who can just occupy the presence of the middle of the floor for them, it should be looking at Usman. Mm-hmm. All right. I, yeah, I mean, for the the rest of this lottery, yeah, the rest, say, of this lottery we, is the rest of this lottery. Yeah, we we said it when right before the lottery came out in the episode of the day it came out that this is one of the NBA's better events, and honestly, don't think it disappointed. I was I was thoroughly entertained by watching that lottery. Mm -hmm. It's just opening envelopes, does it well. Mark Tatum, very pretty face to put in front of it. He's always <laughs> smiling. I literally don't know how. This he guy's such a face smile. never changes. Like every single time he's out in front of NBA media, it always is the same smiling. And I'm just like, yo, congratulations. Like you're secure in a bag by being able to do this. Mm -hmm. You're you're fantastic at your job. Mm -hmm. And I love what the NBA does with this. It's honestly just like. And he has <laughs> such a contagious smile. It makes me smile. I'm like, oh yeah, it's a good day. He's He just brightens my day when I see him every single time. Sec <laughs> watching the second round draft, is the, he's the best part about the second round draft. <laughs> and then the and yeah I, I mean Minnesota fans I'm sorry 
as a Golden State Warriors fan, I have to be hyped that you guys lost the pick. But obviously, I would have loved to see a, a top three of the talent in this group be paired up with Cat and, and Anthony Edwards and D'Lo. It would have been really exciting what they could have been able to do. But it is what it is. You guys can get your pick next year. It's it's whatever. <laughs> and then for the the Char- not the Charlotte Hornets, the Chicago Bulls. I was just gonna say for Mark Tatum, everyone loves to see him smiling, except probably those teams that are losing their picks when he opens the envelopes. They really definitely wish they had a pick here, but that Nick Vucevic trade just just hope that that your pick in twenty twenty three is like a post twentieth pick because you guys are in the playoffs. Let's say it. This is what we said it for. If they got a bottom out, they got one more year to really learn that they need a bottom out. They can sign and trade Zach Levine. They can trade Vucevic. That's the that's the positive of this trade. It gave mm-hmm. them the closure to know is the is this gonna work or not. And so I'm not about to lose it. They knew they were at risk of losing this pick. Obviously, it sucks, but hey, you got one more mm-hmm. year to see if it works. And if it doesn't work, you gotta sell it and figure it out. We're getting at an hour. It is one a.m. over here on the East Coast. Friday, June 25th. I'm about to be way up late editing this. Ale Moreale. Ale Moreale. Ale Moreale. Well, it's Stanley Cup Finals, boys. It's absolutely unbelievable. You don't physically understand. I have cheered for this team since I was a child. To watch this team go to the Stanley Cup Finals with the guys on the roster right now. Like, oh. Let's go, Habs. I'm going to be watching Game 7 tonight with incredible amount of support for the New York Islanders. And uh, let's go get this dub, boys. It smells like Lord Stanley in Montreal right now. And for those who don't know what that means, it just means it smells like a championship. I'm sorry. It's the Stanley Cup, guys. It's that's all I quote. Thank it's- you for tuning in to Ball. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Ball Talk Podcast. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review. Um, please follow us on Instagram. It's just a little way to show some support to us, and it really helps us. You know, keeps us, keeps Chaz off the streets, and that's what matters. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, thank you for tuning into Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk, baby. 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 Baby.